It's been a good day. Um, I, I kicked off my day today with breakfast and Bible study with a, a few guys around our kitchen island. We got some bagels from Willows. We looked at a passage from Luke 14. Jesus has gone viral. He's got a bunch of people following after him. But this phrase sort of popped up in, our, in the course of our conversation that Jesus is not looking for fans but followers. Jesus isn't looking for fans but followers. Like a fan might give you a like here and there, but a follower is, more, is, is willing to give you more than just a like, right? A follower is going to give his or her life, right, uh, for Jesus. And that ultimately is what Jesus is after. He's not after likes. He wants your life. He wants you. And he wants you to live in light of the gospel. Not fans, but followers. We're week two into part two of our study of Paul's letter to the Romans. Last week, we saw that living in light of God's gospel, or living in view of his mercy, means giving our whole selves to Jesus. We're not going to hold anything back. Like, he doesn't hold anything back for us. Like, he's all in for us. And so, y'all, let's go in all in for him, too. Um, this week, we're going to look at verse 2. Together, these two verses, I think Romans 1 and 2, constitute a banner of sorts that stretch across the rest of the letter. Um, And I want to read it, verse 2 to you now. Paul says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable and perfect. Y'all, this isn't just Paul's word to us. It really is God's word to us too. And so let's pray and ask that he would help us to make sense of what we've just read. Heavenly Father, thanks for bringing us here on a Wednesday night. Uh, thank you for just cookies to enjoy and people to enjoy them with, a space on this campus that we can gather like this. I'm thankful for this music team that week in and week out just leads us in music and song that gets God's word and ringing in our ears and kind of resounding in our heart. Um, thank you for giving us this particular word from Romans 2. Um, and ultimately to the one to whom it points, to, to your son, the word made flesh. Lord, we want to see him. We want to see you uh, renew our vision. Be our vision as we just sang. Help us to see you as you really are. Open our ears to hear what you have to say. And then make us do what is your calling us to do. Uh, make our hearts sensitive and soft and, and work through our hands and our feet. We want to give our whole selves to you as you give us this word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm phrasing tonight's question this way. What does it mean to be a fan, or what does it mean to not be a fan but a follower of Jesus? And Paul answers that question, right, in verse 2, by saying, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You don't want to just be a fan but a follower. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. When Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, what in the world is he talking about? This word world in Greek cosmos is kind of like the English word ball. If you say, I'm going to the ball tonight, we infer that you're going to a formal dance party. If you say, I had a ball at the ball... I'm guessing that means you had a good time at that dance party. But maybe you're saying at the ball you found like a round object to play with. 
The point is, one word can have a variety of meanings, and that's certainly true of this word, world. In some contexts, world means our physical planet. Take Romans 1.20, for example. Paul writes there, since the creation of the world, God's power has been clearly seen. He's talking about the physical earth. Sometimes the word world refers not just to the physical earth, but to the people who walk upon it. Maybe the most famous example of this is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. But there's another third use of the word world, which is the usage we have here in Romans 12.2. Here, world isn't talking about the planet per se or humanity, generally speaking. But world refers to a system of thought and practices that is hostile to God and runs counter to his ways. The best way to think about world in this sense is a current. It's hard to see a current, especially if you're in one. But just because you can't maybe see a current doesn't mean the the force and the, the, the pressure of one isn't there. A current is a powerful, invisible force that is pulling you and dragging you along, saying, go this way. We say, go with the flow, right? The problem is that the cultural cultural currents of the world are frequently pushing and pulling us in in the opposite direction that Jesus intends for us to go. There's the way of the world, and then there's the way of Jesus, and these things are often antithetical to each other. The way of the world is pulling us maybe downstream, and Jesus wants to pull us up. The world says, to thine own self be true. And Jesus says, no, no, no. If you want to live a fully human and authentic life, be true to God. The world says, you do you. Do whatever makes you feel good. Jesus says, love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? The world says, follow your heart. Jesus says, don't do that. Follow me. Your heart's deceitful. Your heart is sick. You need open heart surgery, right? Don't follow it, follow me. The world says, love is love and no harm, no foul in your body, your choice, and so on. And Jesus is like, look, it's your body, but your body was bought with a price and you belong to me. And all the way down the line. Like I said, there's this way of the world and there's this way of Jesus and they're not often going in the same directions. I like how John Mark Comer puts it in his book, Live No Lies. He says, and I quote, the world is what happens when Adam and Eve sin goes viral and it spreads through a society. The result, the distorted becomes normative. Sin is recast as any number of things. Freedom, human rights, reproductive justice, the way things are, Nature, science, boys will be boys, anything but sin, end quote. And so what we wind up with is a society in which lust is redefined as love. And divorce is an act of courage and authenticity. Pornography is body positivity. The, lonely, the lovelessness of hookup culture is called a liberation. Greed is good. Sweatshops are full employment. Environmental ruin is a kind of progress. 
Abortion is reproductive justice. Euthanasia is death with dignity. School shootings are the price of freedom. Can you see the current now? Can you at least detect it? Sense where it leads? I don't mean to insinuate that everything in our culture is bad. It's not. The world, the culture, is humanity writ large. And because human beings are made in the image of God, it means there are aspects of our culture, humanity writ writ large, that are good and beautiful and true. But humans are also sinners, which means that our culture is also sinful and sick. It's not just misled, it is also misleading. What Jesus communicates throughout the scriptures and what Paul is saying right here in Romans 12, verse 2, is that there is a way of the world that runs counter to the way of Jesus and his shalom, his vision of human flourishing. And he's saying, don't be conformed to it. Don't just go with the flow. Instead, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Before we talk about how that is to happen, I think we just need to run a highlighter over the fact that the world is trying to form you in its image. The question is not, am I being formed? The question is, by whom and into what? Am I being made to look more and more like the world and its values, or am I being made to look like Jesus and his? That's the question you really need to ask yourself. It's not, is formation happening? It's just by whom and to what, right? The world is exerting exerting pressures on you. It is forming you, or you might say deforming you, from the outside in. But Jesus is trying to reform and to transform you from the inside out. Jesus comes to this world to call you out of this world for the sake of this world. And I don't know if you just caught what I did there, but I use that one word three different ways, right? Jesus comes to this world, this physical planet. He calls you out of this world, out of this cultural current for the sake of the world, for the sake of the people and the planet, right? I don't want you simply to take my word for it. I want you to hear this in Jesus's own words. I want you to hear how he puts it as he prays to his father and ours on our behalf. This is in John chapter 17, the night before Jesus is nailed to a cross. Jesus says, my prayer is not that you take them. He's talking about his followers. He's talking about us. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. In other words, I'm not asking, Father, that you would rip them out of this world that you would take them out of Burlington, that you would take them out of UVM, that you would take them out of the United States of America, I'm asking that they would not be conformed to it. That you would protect them from the evil one. And then he continues, they're not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Right? In other words, you can be in, but not of. So sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So you listen to Jesus pray here. He's saying something very, very similar to what we hear in Romans 12. What Jesus wants for you and for me is to be in the world, but not of it. In the world, but not of it. We might say different for goodness sake. 
for the sake of goodness. He wants us to experience firsthand his goodness and beauty and truth and wisdom. Right? As we don't go with the way of the world, but we go his way. As we go with him, as we walk along his paths, that we would experience firsthand what it, the, 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 the wholeness and the goodness of being on Jesus' path. But that's not just something he wants for us. It's something he wants others to experience through us too. That the people that we are living with and who are living with us, that they would catch a little glimpse. They would taste a little taste of what that good life is like as they encounter us. Y'all, if we're just like the world, we have nothing to offer it. But if we are in it but not of it, if we're different for goodness sake, not only will we be blessed, we will also be a blessing. Now, how is this going to happen? It's going to happen when God's truth, his word, right, begins to infiltrate and saturate our lives. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. The word for transformation here is the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is how a caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly. And I think God envisions something similar for you and me when, he come, when we come under his care. This transformation requires the renewal of our mind. It requires testing and it requires practice. I'm just going to quickly highlight, like, dip my toes in all three of those before we have group discussion, okay? It takes, the, our transformation requires the renewal of our mind, testing, and practice. First, we're transformed when our minds are renewed. You all know this as well as I do. We live in a noisy culture, don't we? We live in a, a, a time in our, in our, in just, I think, human Uh, just history, where things are exceptionally loud. Everybody is screaming at us, telling us where to go, what to do, how to think, how to feel, etc., etc. It is a formation machine, and the current is strong. And in order for you to not get swept away in it, in order for you to not be conformed but transformed, you need to get God's voice ringing inside of your ears. The space between your ears. You need God's voice to get in here. How do you do that? Well, we're doing it right now. This is part of it, right? Bible study, like we're doing right now, is a part of the ways in which our minds are renewed and we can begin to think God's thoughts after him, right? The scriptures are critical for our mental renewal, Right. One of the reasons why we take the Bible so seriously in RUF, even if we don't take ourselves so seriously, but we take it so seriously, is because Jesus does. Jesus takes the Bible super seriously. He says, it's all true. And ultimately, friends, it's all about me, not John Minan, Jesus. Right. And so we, we study it. We, we, we open it up and we pour over its pages because we want to understand who he is more and more. The Bible is where God speaks loud and clear. And I encourage you in so many ways to read it. But better yet, I also want you to have it read. 
let it, let it pour in, not just through your eyes, but through your ears. Again, kind of like what we're doing tonight, what, what, what Abby does so well on Sunday when you go to church at the well, or you know, when you listen to maybe a sermon on a podcast, get God's word into your ears. There is even apps where you can just have the Bible read to you. Instead of reading it, you can just hear somebody else read it to you. You know, when we read something, there's sometimes a detachment. It's like just words on a page. But whenever you hear a words in your ear, there's an immediate sense of presence. Like someone is speaking to me. Like I'm being addressed. And that's how God's word was originally delivered to his people. It was a spoken word before it was a written word. And I want you all to, I, I encourage you, I invite you to find ways to hear it, to get it into your ears. But I also want you to experience the Bible as a language school. The Bible where we learn God's need of tongue, his vocabulary, not just what he says, but how he says it. Ultimately, right, what God has to say in the way he says it is embodied in the person of Jesus, right? This word made flesh, and I want you to experience him. I want you to encounter him. But the best way that you can do that is through the scriptures. And he will open up your minds, right, to understand it, to understand who God is and who you are and this story that your life story and mine are a part, right? Let him renew your mind. Get this voice of God inside of your head. Begin to think God's thoughts after him. Like I said, in RUF, we try to make this easy and enjoyable for you. We've got the daily reading project. We've got small group Bible studies. We've got Wednesday night fellowship. We've got rides to church. We got a music team that not only speaks God's truth to you, but they teach you how to sing it. So that, well, when this time is over, that, those words are still like bouncing around in your spirit, in your ears, and in your heart. You'll take a moment and just look at the people around your table. When God puts his words inside of their ears, he's making it possible for it to come out of their mouths. I'll say that again. When God puts his word in the ears of your neighbor, he's making it possible for that word to come out of their mouths and to enter into your ears too. God has not left you alone. He is surrounding you with friends, brothers and sisters and fellow sojourners on the way so that God's word and his voice can be circulating constantly in your life, so that your mind can be renewed, so that you're not conformed to the pattern of this world, but you can be transformed into the image of Jesus. You all tracking? Don't just get this word inside your head, though. We're going to dip that toe into sort of pool number two. By testing, discern what the will of God is. Discern, test what he loves, what he wants, what he desires, what the good, the beautiful, and the true really is. In learning the truth and in testing it, we need, to be, we need to be more careful than we are about what we consume, what we take in. In learning the truth, we also need to learn and to discern how to detect what is false. I think part of this learning, transformation, discernment process 
is beginning to discern the ways in which our culture pulls us away from God, the way this formation machine operates. The currents are subtle, and they are often beautifully packaged. Advertisers are never going to tell you their secrets, that like, hey, I'm going to try to sell you beer, but I'm going to do that by exploiting your fear of FOMO and your insecurities and your loneliness and your desire for sexual intimacy. They're not going to tell you how they're going to, they're just going to sell you beer this way. They're just going to play an advertisement where there's a bunch of people who are showing up to a party and everybody's hanging out around the table and they're having fun and they're laughing. And across the table, there's a girl or a guy who's looking at you and they give you a wink and then they take a sip of Coors Light and then the commercial's done. And you're like, wow, I'm starting, I'm thirsty. I really wish I had some Coors Light. And you think you're doing that out of your free will, but you're not. You've been manipulated. The trick, the magic has worked. And our culture does the same kinds of things. It operates on the same sorts of principles. It puts you kind of under a spell. The culture is not just going to come out and tell you, hey, I'm lying to you. Like these, a lot of these mantras or, or mottos that are sort of like in the air, they never really come out and say it outright. It's very rare that they do. Like the you do you, follow your heart, you know, do whatever makes you feel good. It's rarely stated that bluntly, but it's wrapped up in a Disney song, Right? Or it's packaged in a TV show or a TikTok video. I mean, it's even, it's even at work through apps like Tinder or Twitter or just the ways in which we, not even what we say, but even the ways in which we communicate. It's all forming us for good or for ill. I am not saying that in order to be transformed, and I don't think Jesus is saying this either, that you need to get off all of it as if that were possible. But what he is saying is that you need to be more discerning. You need to be more careful. I don't have time to really go into this in detail, but just consider this. The five most watched shows on HBO Max are Game of Thrones, Euphoria, The Sopranos, The Wire, and Succession. My guess is you've seen many of those shows. I'm not going to critique them. I just want you to think critically that when you watch these shows, you're not just watching them as mere observers. These shows are forming you. They are shaping you. They're They're shaping the way that you think about the world and your place in it. They're shaping the way that you think about your body and sexuality. And not just yours, but other bodies and their sexuality. They're shaping the way that you see money and possessions and things. They're shaping your understandings of what it means to be successful or a failure. Like the world is a formation machine. And what you give your attention to, and you're giving this media a lot of your attention, it is probably by the hour spent, it is forming you more than the word of God. It is forming you more than Jesus just by sheer hours, statistics alone. So be careful.
I could say more, like I said, got to save that for another time. But my last point is this. The, the, the last way that you are transformed from the inside out rather than the outside in is by putting everything that you've learned into practice. This word testing that we see in Romans 12 too is not just an academic kind of testing. As in, I've did a lot of Bible study and now I can, by testing, I know what's good and perfect and acceptable. Like I aced a theology exam. That's not at all what's being communicated here. What is being communicated here is like, Put it into practice. Test it. Work it out. And in the working it out, you will see, you will discover what God really loves. In the working it out, you're going to find out, not just with your head, but with your heart, with your whole person, what is good and beautiful and true. You have a brain and God wants you to use it. But you're not just a brain on a stick. You're a whole person made in the image of God, body plus soul. Which means God wants you to know the truth up here, but he wants you to also experience it in here. He wants you to work out what you've learned out there in the world with your whole person, your whole body, your whole self. And as you do this, you're going to learn and discern what is the will of God, what he really wants, what he loves, what he desires. It's not going to be a head kind of knowledge, but an experiential education. And this is what God desires for you. And again, not just for you, but for those around you too. What does it mean to live in light of the gospel? To not just be a fan, but a follower of Jesus. Not just giving him the occasional like, but giving him the whole of our lives. In view of God's mercy in light of all the good that he's done for you and will do for you still, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's your spiritual worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is his will, what's good, acceptable, and perfect. Amen.